We've been talking a lot on this podcast about the greatest football player of all time, Lionel Messi, in his epic stateside move. Now you can join Messi as he embarks on his historic next chapter with Apple TV Plus's new documentary series called Messi Meets America. Follow along Messi's journey as he takes North America and Major League Soccer by storm, ushering in a new era with his new inner Miami teammates. The series is streaming now, right now, right this second, only on Apple TV Plus, and more episodes are coming November 1st. This weekend, round one of the MLS playoffs begin. We start Saturday in Philadelphia. The defending Eastern champions are hosting the New England Revolution in a rematch of their decision day game, which finished 2-1 to the Revs. Right after that, all eyes on LAFC as they begin their title defense at home against the visiting Whitecaps. Then Sunday, we've got the conference winners and the MLS Cup one seeds in action. First off, FC Cincinnati in the East, then St. Louis City in the West, both hosting their wild card opponents. Monday, Honey Mukhtar's Nashville will travel to Orlando, Florida, and two-time MLS Cup winning Seattle Sounders face a visit from FC Dallas in the finale of round one's opening matches, the best one, by the way, the league's highest-scoring teams, Columbus Crew, Atlanta United, are in action at Lower.com Field. There's only one place to watch all the MLS Cup action, MLS Season Pass, on Apple TV. See you there. I knew we were going to be competitive. I mean, with having Lutz as a sporting director and Bradley Carnell as a head coach and being a Taylor and a Kavanaugh, you know, you weren't going to be subpar. And Klaus had the number two jersey behind Messi. That's my aha moment when it's like, I see an entire family and kids of our players. And you're like, wow, we really did this. Welcome back to another episode of Offside with me, Taylor Twelman. This one, I will be smiling for the entire episode because today's episode is about St. Louis City SC, whose 2023 MLS regular season made league history the most wins ever by an expansion team. Joaquini goes near post, what a connection! What a wonderful finish! Oh, that's a way to light up a game! And St. Louis lead going into the final quarter. Klaus on a drive! Oh, my! That may be the pick of the bunch from Klaus! A stunning goal! But as we'll find out, it's a success that has been years, decades in the making. This ownership group and all of the other members of our team have truly been honored to lead the charge. And I'm happy to say we absolutely did it. Now, if you've been living under a rock, you don't know this. So I'm gonna remind you, I grew up in St. Louis. St. Louis is the city that raised me. It is a city known for its historically great contribution to the nation's soccer scene. Think of this, 75 plus members of the men's and women's national team, 30 plus Hall of Famers, but until recently, exactly 0.0 top-level pro teams in the Major League Soccer era. Now, the community never stopped believing. The players never stopped playing. But it was the business people that always turned a blind eye about this city's potential. Now, there have been many previous attempts to bring first division soccer to the city and many disappointments. April 2017, there was a public vote for the Major League Soccer Stadium in St. Louis. A St. Louis judge orders the city election board to let city voters decide on the April ballot whether they'd like to use city money to build a Major League Soccer Stadium. Everyone, including myself, begging for that vote to go through. 
and it didn't. But that takes us to 2019, when Don Garber announces St. Louis was going to be the home of the newest MLS franchise. And after two decades of discussions about St. Louis being a part of our league, today the moment has arrived because of the commitment and because of the true belief of all of you that are here today in this room. And that belief and that commitment starts with the historic, history-making ownership group, Carolyn Kindle Betts. There was optimism in the city, but cautious optimism. And today, we're bringing you that story of how St. Louis City SE came to be the historic franchise it is. We're joined by Carolyn Kindle, City SC CEO, and the leader that brought Major League Soccer to St. Louis. I can't believe what City Park is. I can't believe that we're a part of this. I've got people that I've known for my entire life that are taking their grandmother and their children. And those are such great stories. And I'm like, please tell me more because I'm happy to see these generations getting to do something for the very first time. And that is they're seeing a professional soccer game here in St. Louis. Also joining us is the club sporting director, Lutz Fahnenstiel, Carolyn's partner in building the club from the ground up. One day, St. Louis will get rid of me, but I will never get rid of St. Louis in my heart. That will always be my club. And to tell us how the project got 17 wins and the number one seed in the Western Conference, head coach Bradley Carnell. We were everybody's nobodies coming into this. And we embraced all those challenges and, and we, we took it on and, and really ex- we were enjoying playing with these type of labels on our shoulders. As well as president and general manager, Diego Gigliani. You walk into City Park on a match day, it would be incredible to believe that that level of growth from zero to 100 can happen in less than 12 months' time. Carolyn, for people like me who grew up playing soccer in St. Louis, it always seemed like a no-brainer that a team would succeed in the city. But for many years, we couldn't make, or should I say, couldn't take the final step. To your eyes, what were the biggest obstacles for soccer actually reaching the highest level in St. Louis? I think one of the things was just trying to figure out how an ownership group could work with the city and the expectations that the city and the state could provide from a funding perspective. You had the passion, you had these great academy systems. I think the second thing was, where were you going to put all of this? It's not just a stadium. It's training facility, it's practice pitches. Passion's always been top of the list. I think it was just sort of the, you know, how-tos to get there. Like me, Carolyn was raised in St. Louis. Her grandfather, Jack Taylor, founded Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Pick Enterprise. We'll pick you up. The family has been closely involved with local businesses and city initiatives, including the $300 million renovation of the city's famous Gateway Arch. Your family was always kind of said, we're never going to own a sports team. We're never really going to be part of the sports landscape. What changed? We had just wrapped up Gateway Arch Renovation Project, which was at the time the largest public-private partnership. And we found ourselves saying, what next for the city? You know, we love the city. We want to make sure St. Louis is on that trajectory upwards. And we kept hearing soccer. It's about Mm -hmm. soccer. Right before he passed, my grandfather called me over to his house And he was like, Toots, I got to tell you something. Like, you're doing great at the foundation. You're doing great at the arch. But I just think you're meant for something bigger. And I'm like, "Um, do tell. And he's like, well, I'm not that good. (laughs) 
but I just want you to know that I'm always going to be with you. And hence, here I am. And, you know, he passed in July of 18. And in September of 18, I'm sitting in Garber's office going, hey, I have this idea. Getting another chance at Major League Soccer here in St. Louis. The Taylor family, as along with Jim Cavanaugh, the CEO of Worldwide Technology, announced plans for the $400 million project. And I remember Commissioner Garber telling me that successful teams are owned by the community, not by the ownership group. And since there was this amazing international sport, it was also a great way to unite this community and bring this wonderful melting pot of Croatians, Bosnians, mm-hmm. Mexicans together to celebrate their favorite soccer team right there in their backyard. Mm-hmm. But then the more we really got to understand, you know, the passion, the supporters, you know, how exciting these matches can be, it started to kind of click with everybody in the family. And no way in our wildest dreams could we have ever imagined that this many people would show up and support us. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. From the very beginning, Carolyn wanted to approach the project differently, to bring voices typically not heard at the top level to the front. Alongside her sisters, mother and aunt, Carolyn's project was led by the first and only majority female sports ownership group in Major League Soccer. I go back to something that you said to me early on when I was sort of questioning this. And you said to me, it's probably good that you don't know anything about soccer, but you know something about business because sports is really a business. And I've used that line many, many times because when I talk to some of these female groups or there's young girls coming up, just pursue whatever you want to do and what you're good at. And there is probably a place for you in a sports team. And so while I'm not out there on the pitch kicking around a ball, There still needs to be somebody back here supporting everybody and making sure that everything runs to optimize not only that product out there, which is fantastic, but everything from fan experience, social experiences. And so I would say it doesn't matter if you like the sport or not. If you want to be part of a sports team, you can do it. Was there anyone you looked up to growing up? I mean, really, it's my mom for sure, because that woman is one of the strongest women I know. She's the first person to give me a high five. She's also the first person to tell me that I've messed up. Her favorite phrase is is that you never had enough faith in yourself and you didn't see what others saw in you. So I'm glad you're proving yourself wrong. In 2018, I'm in Kansas City preparing for the Western Conference Final. And who do I run into? Carolyn Kindle. Why is Carolyn Kindle at a Sporting Kansas City, Portland Timbers, MLS Cup playoff game. And then it hit me. Holy shit. St. Louis is going to get a team. Then I also realized I actually had to call a game. I didn't want to call a game. I wanted to sit with Carolyn and talk about really what they were going to pull off. Now, Carolyn looked excited. She was pumped. But I'm not so sure she was when the bid was actually accepted. I mean, it's like so excited, but terror and yes. panic. <laughs> and I mean, it was awesome. But y- it at the same time, you're like, but we have so much to do. We need a name. We need colors. We need a crest. We need players. We need a home. I said to mom, there's so much stuff they never taught you in college. I almost need a refund. <laughs> because these are things that just happen in life, right? Was there ever a moment where you were like, oh, shit, why did I do this? pretty much March of 2020 to about July of 2020. Um, No, I mean, that was a tough time. They were getting hit hard by COVID. So you had the family going, is this what we need to do? Then you had the whole, well, we're supposed to start in 2022. And I mean, you're hiring people via Zoom. 
it was such a crazy time where it would have been easier to just throw your hands up in the air and say, I'm done. But, you know, there was that moment where we had to be honest and say, we can't do this in 2022. Let's do it in 23, which I think was by far the best decision we made. It gave us time to go back, really look at things like the crest and the colors and our plan and our staffing and make sure that we were hiring the right people for the right jobs. The first role to hire was sporting director. Carolyn was not yet the soccer expert she is now. So she needed a partner who had seen the wide world of our sport, and she found Lutz Fahnenstiel. For someone like yourself that was at Hoffenheim, that was at Dusseldorf, that played in six different continents, there's a rare opportunity in football and soccer around the world where you start from scratch, where you literally get to make every single decision From your point of view, was that the most enticing part about coming to the United States and coming to St. Louis? For me, I worked really hard to become a CEO in the Bundesliga. You know, that was what everybody works for in Germany. And I I worked eight years like a dog in Hoffenheim and we made it into the Champions League and we had great success. And when COVID hit and the opportunity came, I thought, honestly, for me, it's the most interesting job at the moment in the world of football. And I'm telling you, it was even better than that. In soccer, there's a concept of journeyman, a player who never puts down roots, bounces from team to team. Lutz was that guy. And I mean that guy. A goalkeeper for two decades at 25 different teams in all six of FIFA's confederations. That means the only continent he didn't play in was Ant. Artica. But in 2020, Carolyn was asking him to make St. Louis his permanent home. You were named sporting director of St. Louis City during a pandemic. In those first months, what steps did you take to understand not only St. Louis City, the ownership, but St. Louis and where you were moving to from Germany? How did you go about of just becoming more informed about the situation? Yeah, it was, you can imagine, it was the, the most difficult period actually to, to even fly, you know, to travel. Uh, but uh, have a, a move with a family and a dog uh, during a pandemic, uh, not the easiest thing to do. So it was pretty pretty tough to do all that. Um, I had from a few weeks time before I came over, wait, waiting for the work permit before I got announced to, to really wrap my head around and make a plan. You know, it was all about planning, but not just for a few weeks or for a few months make that five or six year plan. Uh, that was what I discussed in the first meeting with the ownership, um, you know, in Hunter Avenue, where uh, the founder of Enterprise, uh, Mr. Taylor, was basically had his first office. And that were where it all started. I mean, actually, I'm getting goosebumps because it was me and four other people sitting in there. We sat in a very small office. We had no ball, no net, no coach, no player, nothing. It was basically a few technical devices like an iPad, and my brain, and a big bag full of ideas. That moment when we sat together, I had the feeling that this is the the birth of something special. But when I came here, I think that all was secondary because I needed to explore St. Louis, and I'm not talking about restaurants, cinemas, or or the park. It was about how do I figure out what is the real football culture here, you know? And actually a guy you know quite well uh, called Tim Twelman. I think it's Mm. your dad. (laughs) <laughs> uh, was was one of the first guys I met and obviously 
You know, he's a true St. Louis and he played professional football. He knows everybody. And I remember that day on the patio, uh, we sat down and I had a list which was probably 10 pages long of what uh, ideas and what we should do and could do. And that was when, when we started it. With the help of the community, Carolyn and Lutz decided the best place for City SC to build a foundation, the foundation, was in their youth, building an academy team to debut in MLS Next Pro in 2022. To lay that blueprint for the club's success in the 2023 Major League Soccer season. I wanted to look outside the box and not just go into the big pay-to-play clubs, but I wanted to go into high schools mm -hmm. and try to find a few rough diamonds. We literally just drove around like madmen and watched every high school game in the city or 40 miles out. I think I knew all the PE teachers better than anybody else. <laughs> and that was how we started to create a group of, of young players a kid like Miggy Perez, which played now a good number of MLS games uh, we, we found on a, on a scouting mission like that. And that is how I kind of like dipped very deep uh, with the head, mm -hmm. head up front into the football culture here. I find it very interesting how from day one, you see yourself and Carolyn work together. It's it, One goes left, the other goes right, but it's always in sync. Uh, you know, here I could completely focus onto the sport. I want to focus on on-field, I want to focus on transfers, I want to focus on culture. Create the football culture, create the mentality. I mean, I depend a lot on, on Carolyn's knowledge of St. Louis politically, yes, uh, yes. football politically, knowing the people. We're running that a lot, a bit based on family values, mm -hmm. or actually a lot based on family values. My door is always open. It's the same with, with Carolyn, the ownership door is always open. I know that from other clubs where the ownership is somehow uh, sitting in New York and, and once every month uh, you're getting an appointment and you're lucky if you can talk for 20 minutes, but you get 75 emails a week, which you can't even answer. That is different. If I have a problem or if I have a request or if something bugs me, I know where to go. I can knock on the door or I can dial the number 24-7, <laughs> which I do as well. Uh, same is the other way around. If there is anything uh, uh, which has to be discussed, like I'm available 24-7. So, that I think make it make it very very different from other clubs. You know, it's a it's a certain togetherness. Uh, but again, I put it a lot on 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 mutual respect. I put it on family values. Uh, I put it on everybody here works very hard. With the foundation of youth and family values set, this family was still missing something: a home. Carolyn, I I don't know about you. But for me, every time I drive by it, every time I fly in, every time I got a family member, a cousin, a friend, someone comes to St. Louis, I get a text every single time, Taylor, you didn't do this place justice. It turned out better than you thought it would, didn't it? It did. I mean, and there's so many wins because originally it was supposed to be south of Market. Yeah. And our wonderful architects were like, well, how about this? What if we pivot north of Market? There was nothing there, so we didn't have to retrofit we could rebuild from the ground up, but we also wanted to make sure we mirrored of the, some of the other buildings in downtown St. Louis. You know, St. Louis was at one point a very thriving town with the train station and the Mississippi yep. River, yep. of course. So you have this incredible architecture. So we needed to do something that fit into that, but also was kind of had a modern sleek look to it. Now, construction began in February of 2020, but it looks like it has always been there. The field is sunk down 40 feet below the street, and with the gaps on the outside walls, 
you can actually catch a little view of the action when you walk by on game day or just having a beer at the local bar. Carolyn, if I called you tomorrow and I said, this person has to see City Park as a favor to me, where's the first place you're taking this person in the stadium? Oh, I'm going to take them to the Hellcat bar because the name of the Hellcat is actually the fighter plane that my grandfather flew in World War II. So to pay homage to him, we had this amazing mural put up that's like kind of a big cat coming at you that we put yellow lights in the eyes. But you really kind of get to see the history of Jack in the war. And then you sort of move into the supporter section, which is just insane. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter uh, how old you are. It doesn't matter what religion you are or nationality, whatever. Football is always the game which connects people. That's the best way. And having this beautiful stadium and training facility right in the, in the city center, right where it's a melting pot for everybody. I mean, what else can you ask for? You want to hear the supporters. You want to join in with them. You know, we also visited eight different stadiums. Yep. And one thing about all the MLS owners is they were very transparent and helpful. Like, you definitely want to do this. You do not want to do that. So we were able to collect so many data points. So it helped us build this amazing park because of the help we received from everybody else. The supporters section was built close to the field, right behind the goal. And with tiered pricing, the club made sure it was accessible to all interested in getting involved, making sure it looked like the St. Louis you see out on the streets, the St. Louis you live in. They took that exact same approach in finding their club personnel. Carolyn, from top to bottom, you filled the club with people from all over the world, unique backgrounds, ideas, expertise. It could be from Lutz Fondenstiel, whoever, whatever it is. Why did you do that? And more importantly, when you meet people, what kind of person does it need to be for you to say, you know what, I want you to be part of my team? I think when you're new and there's no established bar and you're told on your job interview, you're the best at this, go figure it out. I think one that's attractive to a lot of people, especially some of the people we've hired because they're not filling shoes. There's not a set way of doing things. Certainly we had our you know, pillars, and this is what we expect out of you as a human being and as a worker. But as far as the tasks, that's up to you. So I think that that was attractive. But I think also, too, the the uniqueness of the female ownership. This club is trying to do everything very non-traditional. Obviously, it's a sport. Community is just as important, if not more important. And so we just have to make sure that we are turning over every rock and every stone and recruiting from every angle and every corner of the region because there's great talent out there. We just need to make sure that we bring them in so they come to us. And when it came to the club staff, they began at the top with the head coach. We got around 300 applications. And we're not talking about just guys who wanted to be a coach. Uh, We talk about guys at top level. We had guys who coached at World Cups. We had guys who coached in the Bundesliga, guys in the Premier League. There was really big names there. As they narrowed down the list, one name stood out. Bradley Carnell then the assistant coach at the New York Red Bulls. City SC announced that Bradley Carnell is the team's first head coach. The 44-year-old is a native of South Africa and had an impressive playing career before shifting to coaching. Carnell said he's quickly learning about St. Louis's soccer history and can't wait for the team to add to that legacy. Why did you pick Bradley Carnell? It's all about the philosophy, a DNA playing style. Everything is based on a really unified idea. 
And that idea is pressing, counter-pressing, transition moments. Uh, we are not a possession team. We never wanted to be a possession team. And not just in the first team, the next pro, the U17s, the U15s, everybody plays the same way because that gives us a unique opportunity to pull players up and down the system They know exactly what to do. And I knew that Bradley can exactly implement that, what we want to do, because he lived it and he played it and he coached it. He was nowhere near my radar. He was nowhere near anyone's radar. But neither was Lutz von Enstiel. Neither was Carolyn Kindle, which kind of became their bond. Bradley, I think for a lot of our listeners, they would be intrigued to know this answer. When you get the opportunity, but also I would say slash challenge of building a team from scratch, how motivating is that? Or more importantly, how exciting is that? I think for me personally, many people advise me not to do it. <laughs> many why many people said many, many people said it's the most challenging thing in, in the US sports scene. Uh, setting up an expansion team, you're deemed to fail, and it's okay to fail. And I was like, I want to prove people wrong. You know, I want to go against the grain. And and since I ever can remember at the age of 16, you know, starting off my pro debut season in, in South Africa in Johannesburg, I, I like being thrown in the deep end. <laughs> I like learning to swim quickly. Um, and I like to be adaptable and I like to embrace culture. I like to go to new places, but also like to cement my place in new places. You know, I'd like having the this sort of ability to say, I'm leaving my jersey in a better place, you know, and mm -hmm. and being as brave as my, I need my players to be, I need to portray that bravery as well. How important was that for you to get your feet under you, but more so to get acclimated to the city of St. Louis? I think for me, building a platform and structure as a coach is, is most important, right? I think the tactical stuff, I think the on the field stuff almost comes secondary for me. It's about leading people and knowing and learning the history culture as it was, once I arrived on the 5th of January, I helped as much as I could tirelessly behind the scenes, making sure that we get the right people in here. We had over 200 Zoom calls with all the different candidates, uh, staff, um, players, and, and we thought these are the right ones to come in. In February 2022, the clock started ticking. Carolyn, Bradley, and Lutz had a year to get every aspect of a team on and off the field ready to compete. You made a decision before the first year of Major League Soccer to sign players and bring them to St. Louis six, seven months beforehand. I think that is not talked about enough because oftentimes in expansion years, you get players coming from all over different places, different clubs, basically opening days, 25 different players saying, hello, I'm your new teammate. St. Louis City didn't do that. We managed to get our head coach one year prior to the season, which was very important. I wanted to have Bradley here, being involved with the next pro, doing lots of things already, working with the players. I wanted him to be already a part of the community, to be already a St. Louisan once we kick off. Imagine coming in January, February and playing catch up. And, you know, while you're on preseason camp, having to worry about your family and all of a sudden you, your thoughts are somewhere else and you're not really focusing on the job at hand. Having the the spine, I call it the spine. A goalkeeper, a centre-back, a midfielder, centre-midfielder and a striker, having them here six, seven months before was definitely a massive part of, uh, of, of being successful. Roman came into his apartment, Klaus picked up his car, Joachim Nielsen's kids went to their kindergarten. So St. Louis was literally already their uh, centre of life, their home. And that 
gave a complete different mentality and momentum to the team. By August 2022, seven months ahead of their first Major League Soccer game, City SC had announced the signings of close to a whole starting 11. But some eyebrows were raised when Lutz and Bradley decided to go all in on a goalkeeper? Hanek! Oh, what a save from Roman Berkey! That would have been the best of the lot. Maybe a chance for Finn Bogerson. And it's fallen for Gregorich, saved by Borky. Pressure still on. It'll fall for Hauvaleu, saved by Borky again. I get why you think as an ex-goalkeeper why the goalkeeper spot is so important. But to go out and get Roman Berkey, not at the end of his career, still at the real prime of his career as a goalkeeper, the value in that, I think it's difficult to quantify. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, uh, I knew that there was lots of uh, criticism and lots of funny voices coming my way. Uh, well, I actually, I never reacted. I just smiled. One guy was really supportive, Jim Kern. Jim Kern said, I know how important Blake was for us. I wanted that super modern goalkeeper, which is always involved with his feet, which leads the team, which is like, a, yeah, I would just say a, a complete complete modern goalkeeper. And we spoke to four or five keepers, all at European top level. Roman Bürki was always my number one. And, you know, I was 10 years in the Bundesliga, so basically in 14, 16 times he played against my teams and I know what he's capable of. I didn't take it at all as a gamble. I didn't take it at all as a risk. I thought this is something we have to do to be successful. Coincidentally, I knew that he's a big America fan. He likes American sports. He likes American cars. Basically, he just loves America. He likes hockey. He loves baseball. So that was my idea that, hey, we can get that guy. We have to go for it. I wonder what Roman Berkey thinks of our lovely fried ravioli. The core of St. Louis City also included center back Joachim Nielsen, midfielder Edwin Leuven, and forward Jao Klaus. And in January 2023, Coach Carnell and the team prepared for their very first match together. Bradley, you know this league very well. You've been here a long time. But oftentimes, expansion teams, they get into the season and they're there to get their absolute asses handed <laughs> to them. Whether it's Minnesota, Cincinnati, whoever it may be. Was there a time in the preseason where you were looking around at your staff and the players and said, everyone on the outside, they've got us wrong? So it was the very first friendly. We played Philly and it ended 2-2. And we were like, man, we gave it to them. They've just come out of a, an MLS Cup final and they've done pretty well in the Champions League. And you could see even Philadelphia players not enjoying <laughs> the intensity that we gave it, you know, on the day. So this was a moment for me. I walked away there proud. And like Carolyn had prioritized the human element in the front office since day one, Bradley prioritized bringing the team together as a collective. And then there was one moment, and I get goosebumps speaking about it. We, we had a team builder in preseason in Coachella. This was after the Philadelphia game. So we just got together, round group, circle, and just openly discussed life, discussed expectations, discussed upbringings. And I was not prepared for this as a coach. All the things that the players opened up for, we had seasoned veterans been in the league for eight, nine years and said, Bradley, they've never experienced these conversations, the openness from the group, the willingness to share with their brothers. They've never experienced something like this. So this was another moment for me that had nothing to do with soccer, but just had to do with the buy-in and how open and we could just let the players be themselves. 
you know. So within Bradley, the structure, whose idea was that? Whose idea was that? Whenever I take a shower, I come up with crazy ideas. <laughs> so Sean Rooney, my analyst, you know, the tactical analyst, every time I come out the shower, he's like, "What do you have for me now?" <laughs> so I, I just whether it's game planning, whether it's trainings, whether it's you know, I get out the shower and I'm like, "Yeah, let's do this." <laughs> so, yeah. It's an incredible thing. So during the preseason, I was like, phase two, we have to get a little bit deeper in the roots. This superficial stuff, everyone can say it, everyone can talk it, but I want to go one layer deeper. Was there anything contentious within the group? Was there a conversation where you were like, wait a minute, we've got a team? I'll never talk about specifics, you know? Yeah. We had, I can tell you, we had staff crying. We had players crying. We had... Yeah, it takes me down, you know. Yep. Sorry, that's crazy. While the group was coming together, the 2023 season drew nearer and nearer. And those inside the club, inside the building, started to also really believe. But few, and I mean few, outside that building and outside that club shared that belief. We all just knew that the whole experts in the league think we are crap. 14s, yep. 13s, average USL team that maybe win three games or four games a season. So we just got hammered without even looking at our players. The reporters said they're going to finish 13th, they're going to finish 14th. Honestly, that was, I think, very inspiring because we had a bunch of players that really wanted to prove themselves. Some of them might be on the back half of their career. Some of them might be starting their career. When they met up in San Jose in the preseason, and everyone was kind of laughing them off. Klaus came back and excused my language. He's like, coach, I'm pretty pissed off. I'm like, what's wrong with you? And he was like, these guys don't respect me. They don't respect us. I'm like, what are you talking about? And him and I sat and we had a conversation. I was like, all right, so there's the edge. So there's something that's gonna arm us and fuel us. It more than fueled them. Opening day, away in Austin. Keller across, Klaus inside, and he pokes it into the net. St. Louis City going to the lead with five minutes to play. The Brazilian intent on setting yet more history on the opening night of the season for the newest team in MLS. The first ever home game against Charlotte. And they weren't done. The next three weeks, Portland away, three points. San Jose home, three points. Salt Lake away, you guessed it, three points. I was going through some old interviews you and I did at the beginning of the year, and I asked you how you would define success. And you said, quote, seeing the team come out of the tunnel on opening day will be a success. But then your team became the first expansion team to win its first five games. Did you have to pinch yourself and say this was actually really going on? This was real life? I knew we were going to be competitive. I mean, with having Lutz as a sporting director and Bradley Carnell as a head coach and being a Taylor and a Kavanaugh, you know, you weren't going to be subpar. Getting that extra edge from all the experts who think we are a walkover, we're the worst expansion team in history, I was thinking after the first win in Austin, hey, we only need three more games and we achieved our whole season because people <laughs> don't even think we can do anything. I said, we are not the new guys on the block. We are just a continuation of tradition and history. 
So I think we expected a good turnout, but not the support that we got. It was incredible from day one, not taking a seat, standing and the STL and the way they got into the, the culture, it just seemed like a, an organic fit. It just seemed like it's been here for 50 years. And it has, that's the thing. It has been here for 50 years, just needed a platform. But then came week six. He's gone down and the referee is pointing to the spot. Minnesota thought they could have had a penalty a few moments before. Now they do have a spot kick and a chance to take the lead. The team's first loss, a tough late winner from a crafty visiting Minnesota team. And the Loons have done it in St. Louis tonight through Amaria's penalty. This phase of the story ends for St. Louis. And Minnesota, the first team to down Klaus and Co. And not long after, Zhao Klaus goes down with an injury that would have him miss the next 19 games. Klaus has gone down on the edge of the center circle, staying down. And Klaus pointing towards that right leg. This would be big. There have been about five times this year where everyone's been like, well, Klaus is injured. Well, Leuven's injured. There's going to be a blip here. There's going to be a blip here. The blip was never long. Yeah. The blip was never a real issue. Was there one moment this year where you were like, that was the turning yeah. point for us? I think the San Jose game away. But you got to give credit to Bradley Carnell. If St. Louis is able to see this one out, making so many substitutes, going to his bench, relying on his depth, and perhaps coming away with three points at a place that's so difficult. We rotated eight guys and managed to dominate away from home. I thought, man, this is awesome. Players pl applying the principles of what we do and just sticking to them and getting rewarded. Tom sends the ball in. Adenarin gets his first MLS goal. Recalled from his loan with a USL club. Straight into the starting lineup. Straight onto the score sheet. And St. Louis City lead away from home in San Jose. That San Jose game in June sent St. Louis back to the top of the Western Conference. But it wasn't just the results. It was the energy around the club that had people taking note. Diego Gigliani, he arrived just this summer from a role at City Football Group. I see it as I walk around the city. I see it as I drop off my kids at school and I see other families and kids wearing St. Louis City uh, uh, merchandise and shirts. I, of course, see it at City Park. It's incredible to see the team have sold out every single city game with this incredible energy. To see this level of passion and excitement is overwhelming, really, and is quite fantastic. My street is full of St. Louis City flags, which is incredible. Every time I come home, I can count at least 10 flags in, in the short road that I live in. First, they said we're all very bad, right? Then they said we are lucky. Then they said uh, the other team passes us the ball. Then yep. they said, now Klaus is injured, they will break down. Then they yep. said, Leuven's uh, <laughs> out, now they will completely break down. Yeah. Then they said, it's halfway through the season and the break comes after the break, they're running out of juice. Yep. Now we have middle of October, we're still alive, we're still pumping, and regardless what happens in the playoffs. All that energy, all that belief, all that doubt built to the last month. With two games left, St. Louis hosted rival Sporting Kansas City with a chance to clinch the Western Conference. The vibes were impeccable. You know, Mo, you're not in Kansas anymore. At least that's what the St. Louis fans are telling us. What about this for a Tifa? Decent. This is how you kick things off in a derby matchup. 
St. Louis City supporters showing out in a major way. We got ourselves a good one, don't we? Moving and Dinneran! It's a super header from Sam Dinneran! On their post free kick on everybody napping defensively for SKC. And Sam Dinneran cannot stop scoring. What a season! What a goal and what a moment for St. Louis. Trouble here again, Stroud trying to make absolutely sure. Stroud did it! They played themselves into it, SKC. They were all over the place defensively. And Stroud is off the bench. And on the score sheet, 2-0. And he flicks it out. And the ball back for Klaus. 3-0. It's raining goals at City Park. Number one in the West. With an exclamation point tonight. St. Louis became the first expansion team in all of U.S. men's pro sports to win a regular season conference title. Let me repeat that. No pro sports team has ever won a regular season conference title as an expansion team until St. Louis City and Major League Soccer. But for me, who cares about that? You know what the story is going to be about? City Park, the people, the culture, the fans. Every single player that plays at City Park, win, lose, or draw, has looked at me and said, this is it. This is the culture. This is the fan base. This is how soccer should be played. St. Louis has arrived, not to me, not to St. Louis, but for all those that finally experience what I lift. It's about time. You and I were in St. Louis before the opening game, and we had the privilege of doing a sit-down interview for the Missouri Athletic Club. And you said something that caught my attention that, Bradley, I'll never forget. You said your philosophy is four Ps. Purpose, principles, passion, people. And when you said people, it resonated with me because how oftentimes in this life, in this life, we don't worry about people. We worry about yeah. all the other stuff, but the synergy... From Carolyn, who says it's all about people and family. From Lutz saying it's all about the St. Louis people. For you to say it's all about my players. That is how you get players to buy in. Yeah. And I'd argue with you that is the greatest accomplishment you've had this yeah. year. Because as an expansion team, I see a group of players that feel like they've been together for five years. Yep. So if we get good people in place... Everyone needs to have a purpose. We will provide them the, uh, the principles, which is the platform, you know. And then you have to bring the passion. And I think we've done that. I think the story really is the people. I mean, when they put up that TIFO in the Sporting KC game, you have never heard something go so loud. I mean, we set records on the decibels. I've got people that I've known for my entire life that are taking their grandmother and their children and... Those are such great stories. And I'm like, please tell me more because I'm happy to see these generations getting to do something for the very first time. As you know, football clubs are not organizations that are around for a short period of time. These are organizations that should outlive all of us and should be, you know, 100 plus year institutions. This is not a job for me. It's more like my kid. It's like, uh, it's like my family. When the stadium was built, I literally saw the grass growing. So every little step from where we started till now, I, I was right in the middle of it. Whenever we did things right, everybody still doubted us. And I think that will keep us going, not just for this season. We have a few more 
few more things like that in the tank for the years to come. St. Louis have blown up everyone's expectations for their first season. But next up, it's their first postseason. Bradley, the last question I have for you is real simple. You know it, I know it, we all know it. You're playing with house money. So when I'm asked, St. Louis City, is it a success this year? Unequivocally, I say yes. I don't even think twice about it. Yet I go back to my playing days. Well, I'd also be in your locker room saying, if we don't win a trophy, it's not a success. So I ask you, do you need silverware to make this a successful year in your mind? It would be, you know, justification of all the efforts put in by everyone, but I don't necessarily think so. We're confident for sure. We think on any game day we can compete, and we've proven that over 33 match days and 20 of seven of them being on top. So, can we compete? Yes. We've qualified for the CONCACAF Champions League, you know. We've promoted players. We've given seven players debuts in the MLS and they've made contributions. Do you need to justify that with a piece of silverware? I don't think so. Not for me. But by no, no means are we backing down now. <laughs> when I think of this first St. Louis season, I of course think of the City Park crowd. The noise. The sound. The Berkey heroics. The Klaus bangers. But I also think of that nine-year-old Taylor Twalman in 1990 that would give anything to have been a kid at City Park. I think of all the young players in St. Louis, right now they can play for their city at the highest level, in the best stadium, for the best owner, and for the young women in St. Louis that can see a path into sports St. Louis needed to evolve. It needed to become more inclusive than exclusive. The Taylor family has done that. I'm jealous. Because I wish I was 10 years old again. I promise you one thing, Jake. There may be 22,000 in the building, but when this story is told 20, 30, 40 years from now, I bet you there's about 750,000 were in this building. The whole city was here. The whole city behind them. The team named simply that, St. Louis City. All eyes to the referee, Ted Uncle. And it is over. St. Louis City SC wins its first Major League Soccer home match in style. Three to one over Charlotte. Offside with Taylor Twelman is a Major League Soccer podcast produced by Apple TV and Rain Delay Media. Our executive producers are Peter Moses and John Yales. Jonah Buchanan and Iggy Monda were our producers this week. John was our editor. Iggy organized archival. Michael Janot was our engineer. Our theme music was composed by Brian Decker. And I'm your host, Taylor Twalman. Follow and listen on Apple Podcast. Just say, fuck you, Taylor, and then they can never use it. I feel like I'm getting set up here for something, so I'm not sure I should say that. <laughs> uh.